0: Welcome to Kill Tank Radio. Never scripted, always relevant, and on topics you want to hear about. Feel free to reach out if you have a suggestion or you'd like to be on the
1: show. Think about the difference between the hunger to chase the first title versus the hunger to defend that title. I feel that two CRs hit the jackpot twice. You're gonna hear me use the word challenge a lot because it really is an important word. If you don't think that there's opportunities in the Army, you may not have looked hard enough.
0: Hello, Dragoons. Today, I have the honor of sitting in the studio with the 81st Colonel of the Regiment, Colonel Joe Ewers. I feel that 2CR has hit the jackpot twice. I don't want to say it's a privilege, sir, to serve with someone of your reputation and to have you talk to the
1: amazing Dragoons of 2CR. Sir, if you would. Well, uh, first off, thank you very much. Sergeant Major for sharing this venue with me. I'll tell you, it's it's more of an honor for me to be able to lead the Dragoons. You know, still kind of trying to come down from cloud nine that I'm <laughs> that I'm even here in this role. It's so it's been a crazy week. It's been a crazy week, and I uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to be here. So uh, Dragoons, it's great to be here. Great to talk to you, and uh, I guess just a, a little bit about myself to introduce where I've come from and who I am. I think, you know, three areas that stand out to me would be self, family and army. I'll go in that direction just cause I think it'll make, hopefully make some logical sense. <laughs> uh, about myself, I'm a native Ohioan. So any Buckeyes out there, I share that lineage with you. I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, back before electricity. Came up in a, in a blue collar Catholic family, uh, five kids. I was number four of five. My dad paved driveways and my mom was a registered nurse. And uh, while we didn't have a a whole lot of extra means, we certainly were cared for and loved. And and I'm I'm grateful for that. And that's part of my upbringing. I didn't grow up in a military family. My dad did serve uh, in the United States Navy for three years uh, in between the Korean and Vietnam War. Didn't come from a military family. I awoke one day and realized that I was on the wrong track. We can talk about this more later, maybe. but uh, <laughs> That but, could uh, be a whole nother podcast, probably, a, between the two of us. Right, maybe a whole other podcast. But, you know, I didn't join the Army from a position of strength. Uh, I joined the Army because... Uh, somewhere inside of me and somewhere inside of my family upbringing, uh, I knew that I needed to, to reinvent myself. I was not on a good track. I was not a good kid, was not a good student. I had a, I had a string of not goods, uh, well, ig- yeah. going for me. I can relate, sir. And I, and something inside of me told me that I needed to get out of that environment and I needed to take charge of myself, take charge of my life and reinvent myself. So I joined the army literally to be all I could be, uh, and to get some money for college. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, now fast forward uh, many years later to talk about my own family. I'm I've been married to my wife for 20 years. This month, actually, I've got four awesome kids, awesome healthy kids that I'm blessed with three girls and a boy. So they keep me busy. I'm not busy at work. I'm busy at home. I love family. I love my family. I love families. Being a dad is super important to me. Yeah, they're here and they're happy to be here. So I wouldn't be here without their support. And then I guess lastly, and, and maybe most interesting to the audience is the the Army side of the story that I enlisted at the age of 17 to uh, straighten myself out. Yeah, right. uh, I, I went in uh, as a 19 Delta Camp Scout. Oh, boy. 42's is going to be happy. Holy <laughs> cow. OK. And just to frame it, you know, here I am 30 years later. But when I went into the recruiter station, I said, uh, give me the shortest contract you got. And I said, and make it make it something exciting. <laughs> um, so that it goes even faster. Oh, there you go. Uh, because I was I was interested in straightening myself out, and I was interested in getting some money for college, and and then and then getting on with my life. What I came to discover in the army was that I really found a home. And while I was good at a lot of things in life leading up to that moment, I had never really been really good at anything. Okay. Uh, and I found that as I started being a soldier and being around soldiers and just kind of the soldierly experience, I felt kind of at home and more maybe aligned with talents. I had just more successful, more at home, just like it was a fit, not to sound hokey, but maybe where I was, where I was meant to be. Didn't start off like that from day one, but, uh, but through some experiences, I kind of came to that conclusion. So, you know, when I was a young enlisted guy, I said, Hey, I I want to continue to soldier. I want to be a soldier. I really wanted to be an NCO and I wanted to be a drill sergeant. That was the first thing I wanted to be. Okay. Was to be a drill sergeant. But I also wanted to to get my education. And that was one thing in my family. I was raised, my father, he always, always stressed education and always said, hey, that's something they can never take away from you. Right. And it'll always make you a better person, always make you more able to contribute to the world around you. And so I just, I was raised to value education was one of the things that was big in my family. So I said, Hey, I want to, want to get my education. And I tried to do it through night school and night school just wasn't a very good match for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not really a great nighttime learner. I'm more of a morning person. Yep. And as I was getting ready to get out of the Army, now in my second assignment, which was at Fort Riley, and I'll back up and say that my first assignment was not only as 90 Delta, but it was here in 2nd Cavalry Regiment uh, during the border, border Patrol days. And, and know, deployed to Desert Shield. And, and deployed to Desert Shield and Desert Storm as a young private. It was that experience that really made me want to continue to serve, made me, you know, as I said, uh, said in my, my remarks at the, at, the, at the change of command, for those that were there, you know, very first officers and NCOs that made me want to stay in the army were from the 2nd cavalry regiment. That is when you talk about how important this unit is in, is to me and how much I believe in it. You know, I truly do trace my roots in the army and the and the roots of inspiration that really kind of brought me here today started with the non-commissioned officers, specifically the NCOs, the Second Cavalry Regiment. So, in my second assignment, as he, still as a young enlisted soldier, now a specialist, getting ready to to get out of the army, and I was literally out processing the army, and I and I picked up the post newspaper and saw an article in there about. Program called the West Point Preparatory School, Okay. and it said that they were seeking qualified First Infantry Division soldiers, which I was at the time. And I looked at the list of things, and I said, "Boy, I have all that." Where I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, West Point was a was a big deal. Like only the top kids, right? You know, your valedictorians, your your uh, team captains, all you know those kind of folks. Which I was not. <laughs> um, so I said, "Well, boy, I, I never could have got. It. I couldn't even be you know, get a job mopping the floors there out of high school. Um, so I could get." get in through the back door on my record as a soldier, not on my record as a high school student, but on okay. my record as a soldier. The irony was I went in to ask about it and they said, you know, you, you'd be competitive for this, but you don't have enough time left on your contract. I said, oh, well, how much do I need? And they said, well, you need at least through the end of the program as a 10 month program. I said, okay, well, can I extend right. to be able to get that opportunity? And they said, no, you have to reenlist. <laughs> I really got to think about this one now because I had a plan. I had already yeah. been accepted to a college. You know, I had a plan in motion. Called home and talked to my parents about it. And I said, I'm going to go for it. Nice. So I re-enlisted. I went in, I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to re-enlist. Knowing that if I had, had failed out of the program or not There's liked dog, it or whatever, man. then you got to finish out your tour. And they said, okay, let's draft that up. And they were like, oh wait, you can't sign up for two years. It's got to be three years. <laughs> Of course. So, so I say, well, I'm already in, let's go double down three years. I'll sign up. So I signed up for three years to get access to this 10 month program, made it through the program just fine, got into the Academy, had a, had a, had a wonderful experience at the Academy as odd as that sounds. Cause it's not, not always a super happy place, but it's no. very developmental coming out of that program. I decided to take my commission in the infantry. I served now that was in 1997. Uh, so I've been an infantry officer for 23 years. I've served all. All over the infantry. I started in the 101st as an air assault platoon leader. Uh, I then went to Second Ranger Battalion as mm-hmm. a as a ranger platoon leader in the 75th Ranger Regiment.
0: There about the same time.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's right. In the late 90s, early just prior to 9/11, I actually left Second Ranger Battalion just prior to 9/11. Oh boy! And I was in the schoolhouse during 9/11. And then I came to Germany for my, which would have been my second time in my career, but my first time while married, because I got married in the year 2000. Uh, just so I could remember the math. That's the if infantryman, <laughs> secret. Get okay. married in an easy year, so uh, you never mess up the. the I math. didn't think of that. Damn. Um, okay. So it's it's hard for me to mess up my anniversary year. But and so I came over to Germany for my my assignment as a captain, and I and I landed in a in a tank battalion. Then over into the mechanized infantry, where I served as a mechanized infantry company commander and HHC company commander. During that time, as a you know an infantry company commander, went to Operation Iraqi Freedom. One uh, did 15 months there in Baghdad and south of Baghdad with uh, First Armored Division. I came out after commanding a second company. I applied for and was selected to go back and teach on the West Point faculty. Okay. Uh, going back to teach at the Academy was a remarkable experience. I went back there and taught in the, uh, in the leadership department for a couple of years. Uh, some of our majors that are on staff right now actually had as cadets.
0: Oh, no kidding. Um, so, it's crazy when that happens. It, yeah, it is. It is. And, so, I just, uh, so Kat Marlowe, uh, mm-hmm. she just took over one of the field feeding companies yeah. over at Graf and I just uh, attended her activation ceremony. She was one of my cadets when I was an ROTC okay. instructor. Okay. It's crazy to see. It's so cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I had an opportunity to go back to teach. And uh, and in order to do that, the Army sent me to, to graduate school and not just any graduate school, but Harvard. And so I say that I want to share that with very many people. I guess I'm sharing it now. Um, that's not uh, that's not me boasting or anything of that nature. That's me trying to emphasize that uh, if you don't think that there's opportunities in the Army, you may not have looked hard enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, as a young enlisted soldier that came in down on his luck let's see five years later attending a service academy and then 10 years later attending a graduate school that's one of the most elite in the world that was all on the army's nickel
0: that's amazing
1: those were all opportunities that you know they're just part and parcel of you know the army needs people to do certain things and if you uh, work hard and, and continue to to build your reputation and your credibility and your track record, uh, more and more doors are open to you. Served as a, a battalion operations officer and a battalion executive officer, and then as the regimental executive officer in the 75th Ranger Regiment. For four years with uh, multiple trips over to Afghanistan during that time. And then I was selected to command a, a battalion. And that was a striker battalion out of Fort Carson. 223 Infantry Tomahawks we serve. And I've actually run into some tomahawks here on the footprint, which just made my day. Uh, very proud of that command. Based on that command, I was selected to be the uh, the division G three, the division operations officer out at Fourth Infantry Division. And if you want a hard job, just sign up to be a, a G three. I can only uh, imagine. It was a great job, very developmental. I'm sure. Uh, but uh, but that was that was uh, far and away the hardest job I've ever had in the Army. And uh, and then following that, I was selected to command a Ranger battalion.
0: Uh, Not so just I got to
1: ranger battalion. So though. I got to command a second battalion in total, but uh, but a, a ranger battalion. It was the regimental special troops battalion, which is a unique battalion. It's only been around since 2007. But and uh, we owned a mission over in Afghanistan, 24 seven three sixty five. We owned the assessment of selection pipeline for the red yeah. range regiment. Just did a lot of neat stuff. So it was a great command. Again, uh, all commands are great, but that one was very special as well. That's the long and short of it. I mean, I've uh, I've I've been very very lucky to have. A lot of leadership opportunities. Everything except for that division G three job <laughs> and uh, and that West Point job were all regiment slash brigade and below. Most of them were at the battalion and below. Right. I had three platoons, two companies, and two battalions. Wow! And so a lot of time with troops, a lot of time being a troop. You know, sharing hardship, embracing. And if there's if there's anything that uh, stands out to me as important from that, it's the it's the human domain. Yeah, you know, there's an old saying from uh, uh, old chief of staff of the army, General Creighton Abrams, that the army's not made up of people. The army is people. Yeah, and and so the more time you spend in troop formations, the more time you you spend studying leadership and teaching leadership and living leadership. It again and again, all roads lead back to people. Um, so that's a little bit. I know I went a got kind of a long way around the barn there, but that's well, that's I mean, a little bit about my. About sir, myself. we're also talking about thirty years
0: here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, you have a storied history that you know takes you through a lot. And uh, you know, I know that people would probably be curious to kind of get your thoughts on is when you talk about your family mm-hmm. and how important your family is to. Yeah, uh, what, what's some tips and some some things that you do to maintain that work life balance? You know, yeah. being the regimental commander, it's demanding. Yeah. Everybody wants your time. Everybody wants to talk to you about a million
1: different things inside the regiment and outside the regiment. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You know, every snowflake is different, right? right? So every person is different. What what works for me may not work for you and what your family needs may not be what my family needs. Probably rule number one is God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. So listen to what's going on around you and try to understand your environment. We spend a lot of time talking about mission environments. We, st- you know, a lot of time talking about threat environments. We often don't spend as much energy trying to understand the friendly environment right? right. and understand or attempt to understand who, who needs what. You got to handle with care and and pay attention to your environment so you can hopefully assess what they need. But some practical tips, I think there are some practical tips. One is it is really about quality, not quantity. You could be home 18 hours a day and be miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's not just being around, it's being present. Yeah. And so when you're around, be around. Don't hide in the other room, don't sit on your phone all. When you're with your family, be with your family, be present present in terms of sharing that experience, having that conversation, asking questions, starting a conversation, cracking a joke, you know, coming up with an idea of what to do for the day. You know, random acts of kindness are welcome to all humans, most notably your family. And so random acts of kindness for your spouse, for your kids goes a long way. It contributes to uh, really the bank account, I think. And if you think of it as a bank account, you're constantly making deposits because it is inevitable that you're going to have to make withdrawals. Yeah. Some of those withdrawals are you're doing some mistakes. They don't even really qualify as your mistakes. Some sometimes we're all just on the receiving end of the army telling us to do something at yep. the last minute or the army maybe giving us some news that we didn't want to give. Maybe that dream assignment that we had in hand got uh, got canceled. There's a bunch of different versions, but changes happen. Sometimes there are doing and sometimes they're not. As you represent the army to your family, unfortunately, uh, those things that the army does to the family can kind of be your fault or seem like they're a fault so make a lot of contributions to the bank account because you're gonna have to draw down on the account I would say I do you know I do little things you know just do special things for your family whether it's leaving your your spouse a note by yeah. the coffee by the coffee pot as you leave for the day or yep yeah, that's kind the just household. just little little things you'd be you'd be surprised and then I've also found that don't be reluctant to talk about your day some people tell you don't bring work home and I agree with that don't bring work home like you got to do a bunch of work in the living room but there's a difference between not bringing work home to be done and not bringing work home in terms of sharing your experience. Yeah. And if they can understand that you're kind of struggling with your boss a little bit. Yeah. Or you're struggling with uh you know you feel like you've really invested in this particular subordinate of yours and they're just not they're not coming around or you're, Sorry, you're, I'm, I'm right here. You don't have to yeah. talk to me about that. No, I'm just kidding. You're, you're, you know, you're frustrated about something, you know, all these like real human emotions that we all have. If you share that, you'd be surprised how much they are. They are more endeared to what you're facing instead of just compartmentalizing it. And then when it, when it spills over, it spills over. And, yeah. And I would just, I would end with where I started, which is practice the skill of listening. It's very hard sometimes for people to listen, particularly when a lot of people spend the majority of their day giving direction, making on the spot corrections. Um, And certainly in the home front, you, you need to you need to be able to listen. So I would offer that. No, I think that I think that was really good, sir, and I definitely
0: appreciate you sharing that. You know sometimes when we go home, we think you know we you know especially being a commander, you're making decisions all day. When the family presents you problems, you start thinking through solutions. and then you know when they're done addressing the problems, you're like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Here's the decision, you know, and they're like, uh, no, yeah. I just wanted to talk about it, you know, right. but uh, it is hard. Uh, you know sometimes to switch that off and you know sometimes we just don't get it right. So no, that was that was great, sir. And I think uh, the dragons are definitely going to benefit from hearing that. So as you come into command, I know there's a message you definitely want to share with uh, with the formation. So when you talk about commanders' philosophies and you, you know you talk about their priorities, they serve as the, the the focal point for the organization. It helps them understand the command um, in the direction that the command's going under the new commander. I also believe when you lay out your commander's priorities it helps direct you as well because of the demands of your time and everything that is uh, you know required of you you can very simply say well does this fit within what i'm telling the organization to do and if the answer is no or maybe you could say well then, if it's not within these priorities, and this is what I'm asking the organization to do, then we're not going to worry about that right now. Or maybe that'll be moved down on the shelf for a later time because this is for the organization, and then this as well is is just for me. So, uh, with that being said, sir,
1: I know you want to share kind of you know your priorities so we can uh, we can get it out to the formation. Yeah, well, I appreciate the opportunity again, and uh, uh, I did what uh, what any good officer does. Before I went final with this product, I went, I went to my, uh, my NCO counterpart and said, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Predictably, Command Sergeant Major Burke gave me some sage advice on what to focus on and how to narrow it down and, and how to really make it a, a better product. And so I just put out that quick PSA for the contributions that our non-commissioned officers make to excellence. Um, I appreciate that, sir. So, so while this uh, this particular document, I'll pitch it as my my philosophy. I mean, I certainly think that it's a that it's a shared vision with my NCO counterpart, and I'm fortunate to have uh, Sergeant Major Burke as that guy. So here's the thing, Dragoons. I've got all the respect in the world for for Colonel Hofe. He led this organization well, got nothing but great things to say about him as an officer and a man. Uh, I believe in team as well, uh, both in terms of the word team for all the appropriate reasons. And I'll hit on some of them uh, here in my comments in a second. But also, as Colonel Hof had laid it out as, a, as an acronym and the things that he emphasized uh, within that. As I introduce what is my set of operational graphics, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not doing that and in the same breath telling you, Hey, all that stuff the last guy talked about, just forget it. You know, that's not true. He had a great message, generated a lot of greatness in this organization. And there's going to be some things that we're going to continue to do in this organization. Something that comes to mind was is a team day. You know, what a great concept. So you're going to see, you know, you're going to see team stuff hanging around. And it's not, you know, I'm not telling you, rip it off the wall. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's is, not it's, a new regime. I'm piling on, guys yeah. I, uh, Guys and gals. I'm piling on. That's goodness. And I'm attempting to uh, to add some goodness. And it's a blessing uh, to join an excellent organization. It truly is. And I told you what, what the 2nd Camp Regiment means to me as a guy that started here. This organization is an excellent organization. The challenge in joining an excellent organization is to keep it excellent, right? Yeah. So to sustain success is is one way to, to talk about it. You know, you, it, that didn't just happen by accident. So all the great things we've been doing here, you know, th- those need to continue. We also need to look for ways to avoid complacency. A lot of times success breeds complacency. Uh, absolutely. For all absolutely. you sports fans out there, think about the difference between the hunger to chase the first title versus the hunger to defend that title. The Super Bowl, the World Series, I mean, pick your sport. It is commonplace to have a, a fiery, passionate, relentless story. Of a team coming together in a meaningful way to win that first title and then how difficult it is to defend it because that same fire just, you know, it may still be there, but it's, nev- it's it never, burns as, as hot as never it burns as hot as it did. Yeah. And so that's the danger with sustaining success organizations is that, yes, they're great. How do we keep that fire hot and avoid complacency? One way that I think we do that is we challenge each other. Okay, we challenge each other to continually improve, regardless of how good we are. How do we keep that going and how do we take it to the next level? And I think it really centers on the word challenge. So I'd ask you to think about that word because as you see me uh, over the next two years, you're going to hear me use the word challenge a lot because it really is an important word. So when you get a, you get to see this document, it's a one pager the RCO challenges you. Right. So all of you members of this organization, all you troopers, regardless of rank, regardless of squadron affiliation, regardless of MOS, I am going on record as challenging you. And I'm challenging you to do five things. The first one is I challenge you to be a Dragoon leader, regardless of your rank. Leaders set the example. Leaders strive for excellence. Leaders take the initiative to develop yourself and to develop others. You know, initiative is an important word around leaders. Leaders don't wait to be told. Leaders take action. Don't wait for an opportunity. Okay. Set the example, strive for excellence, you. And, uh, and, and lastly, as a leader, all leaders actively manage risk. Risk is a, is a tricky subject in the army because a lot of times we are preloaded to think that risk is just bad. And what leaders do is they try to make it disappear. The army is an inherently risky business we need to protect the force. You are always assessing risk, actively manage it and protect the force on and off duty. That's kind of part one, be a Dragoon leader, regardless of your rank. Part two, be accountable Dragoon. I had an old Command Sergeant Major, one that I that I respect endlessly. You, you probably remember Command Sergeant Major Rick Merritt. Oh yes, he is, the man, uh, the myth, the legend. <laughs> he, he's retired now, uh, but uh, he used to say, he used to refer to the big D he's not talking about Dallas, you know, the big D, because everybody would have their list, five of this, seven of that, 11 of these, 25 of these. And he'd say, Hey, sir, there's just one. There's just the big D discipline. Yep. Because if you don't get it right, nothing else works. And if you get it right, everything else can work. Absolutely. So discipline is an under an undertone of this. And I think maybe nowhere more so than in this bullet, which is be accountable. So when I talk about being accountable, what do I mean? Take ownership. Don't just be a tenant. Don't drive this unit like a rental car. Okay. Own this unit, own your surroundings, own your problems. Okay. And do something. Be morally courageous. Okay. I'm here to tell you. And if you, if you haven't learned this or experienced this yourself, moral courage is the hardest kind of courage. At least in my experience, it's harder than physical courage uh, because we train physical courage. Yeah. And if you're truly going to be accountable, you're going to be morally courageous. I would tell you, improve your foxhole, whether that's literal or, or figurative, your foxhole is your situation. Never stop preparing, uh, for the, uh, in the defense until, until you're under attack, right? Right. You're, you continue to improve your foxhole until the enemy attacks. And and part of that is, is innovating and, and driving positive change. Don't be a, uh, a person that drags their foot or that, that just can't get on to the next, the next iteration or, or change that's being dealt to you, you know, drive positive change. Positive change is good. And then, lastly, in being accountable, I would tell you care for each other, care for your families. Everybody has a family, and that might be your mom, that might be your stepdad, that might be your uh, your fellow teammates, your platoon mates. Everybody has family, and so care for each other, and that's part of being accountable. I challenge you to be honorable as a dragoon, be an honorable dragoon. So what's that mean? Hey, do the right thing, even when no one's looking, and you know what's right. Uh, but when in doubt. Uh, check your army values. When in doubt, you know, think about what you would want your your parents to know about. What would you want a a hometown news release to say? <laughs> yep. and, and if the answer is no, then then that's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. Uh, the best plans are made uh, earlier in the day rather than after midnight. Yeah, nothing happens good after midnight. Yeah. Uh, another piece of being honorable, and this this feeds into part uh, part of, part of Cur- Colonel Hope's lexicon with the with the team construct. It's You know, be an ambassador, be an ambassador for our army and our nation. Look and act the part. We're under observation. You know, we're under observation by our in our friendly environment and the enemy Uh environment. Uh, It's amazing the impact that media has on our readiness and on our our mission set. So just be aware of that and be aware that your actions have strategic implications. And I, I can I can't emphasize that enough. Please be an ambassador for our army and our nation. Uh, a lot of people, especially those who grew up playing uh, competitive sports, are familiar with an MVP, Most Valuable Player, you know, which is kind of the honor of all honors. But I would tell you that uh, the Army is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. And so the ultimate honor, I think, is to be the Most Valuable Teammate, not the Most Valuable Player, uh, because that's kind of an individual award. Man's uh, Most Valuable Teammate. Who's Who's the person that has the best attitude? Who's the person that you can rely upon the most? Who's the person you can call on the weekend? They'll drop what they're doing to come help you out. Uh, Who's the person that's going to stand up for you uh, when maybe some other members of the organization are not treating you with dignity and respect, right? I mean, that's your most valuable teammate. So if you're going to be honorable, Dragoon, uh, I expect you to strive to be a most valuable teammate. I challenge you to be a most valuable teammate. Okay, the next one, and we're, we're on number four or five for those that are counting. (laughs) Uh, I challenge you to be positive Dragoon What's that mean? Okay, well I'll tell you what it doesn't mean It doesn't mean rainbows and lollipops Every one of you in your life Has been a member of a good organization A positive organization That may date all the way back to A a competitive uh, youth sports team It may be a a church community You were a part of It may be your family It may be the first platoon you're ever a part of It may be the unit that you're in I hope it is Uh, but when you are in a positive environment, you are most likely to thrive as an individual. And therefore that team is most likely to thrive as a team. So, and I, I want you to be positive. I want you to have a good attitude, even when times are tough. Uh, I want you to treat each other with dignity and respect. And I know that that can sound like a bumper sticker. Uh, but what's it, what's it mean to me? It means that you lead and serve in a way that builds durable trust. Okay, trust that can stand the shocks of life. Okay, I can say I trust you. I can say that I think you trust me. Okay, now let's have some bad stuff happen. Right. Let's have me make a couple of mistakes. Do you still trust me? You know, yep. is that trust durable? And, and lastly, and being positive, make work a happy place. Okay, enjoy the ride. I'll tell you what, if you don't think that you're gonna look back on this and it's gonna be what you want to tell your kids and your grandkids about, or it's what you wanna reminisce about at the water cooler when you're doing something else in life, you know, whatever it is, like this is, you are in the middle of a memory. So make it a good memory. Because if you're moping around, you know, being Captain Negativity, it's not helping that memory. And oh, by the way, it's not helping other people's memory either. So, so whether you believe in the memory thing or not, everybody has worked for somebody that they, that they thrived under, you know, somebody who made, made work a happy place. And then we've all worked for those Lord Vaders, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I know I have. I've had a couple of them. I almost I almost got out of the army over working for that individual. <clears> yeah, and it it was awful. I mean, it just about broke me. Just about broke my will to serve. I just offer that as my own, you know, my own testimony. Think about what it's like to work for somebody who just who just makes you want to be to be on your a game. Um, obviously, leaders create climates, and climates are units. So I understand that. Um, I would just encourage you, and I, you know, more more than that, I challenge you. Be positive and make work a happy place. Enjoy the ride, right? Hit the leather and ride. Make that ride be a positive ride. Okay, and the last one, fight. Fight, train, train to fight. Have a fighter's mentality. I don't mean fight like fisticuffs downtown, so don't take me out of context. I mean fight like master your warfighting skills, ready your equipment, lean forward. You know We get the call tonight, okay? okay, just because we're not on... Uh, deployment ready brigade doesn't mean we, we are not a deployment ready brigade. Absolutely. Okay. If you have this false perception in your mind that there's a bunch of magical forces out there that are going to swoop in and do the first layer of work, I just tell you, those people don't exist. And if they do exist, their numbers are so small that you're never going to see them because you're going to go somewhere where they're not. Yeah. Have you seen the 1800 miles of frontage and, and the number of forces uh, aligned against that? It is a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you what, folks, we are in the contact forces. You got to be ready to fight. You got to know what the heck you're doing. Your equipment has to work. And you've got to have a fighter's mentality. You got to lean forward, literally and figuratively. You got to lean forward, be physically fit, mentally tough and disciplined to never, ever quit. Get it in your brain. You're not going to quit. That's it. And even if the rest of the organization doesn't make it to the to the objective You damn sure should. You know, you're going to fight as you've trained, so train like you fight. Interoperability, readiness, lethality, and discipline are going to determine the outcome. So I would just ask you to ask yourself, Dragoon, are you ready? Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to fight tonight? And if the answer is no, I would ask you to do some soul searching because you have a moral obligation to your trooper to your left and right and to the families of those troopers to be ready. And to fail to do any less is unforgivable. Uh, So I I close out. Those are my five. So again, I challenge you, be a Dragoon leader, regardless of your rank. I challenge you to be accountable Dragoon. I challenge you to be an honorable Dragoon. I challenge you to be a positive Dragoon. And Dragoon, I challenge you to fight. Lastly, I would tell you, I'd like to, you know, uh, close that out with a pledge. And I've got this written on the memo. I'm just going to read it to you verbatim because it it is how I feel. I began my military career as an 18-year-old Private E1 MOS 19 Delta Cavalry Scout in the 2nd Cavalry Regiment in 1990. 30 years later, it's my greatest professional honor to serve with the 2nd Cavalry Regiment Troopers again and to command this storied regiment. The challenges laid out above, those are those five I just described to you. They go for me as well, and I will do my very best to lead you by example. Okay, so I'm not just challenging you. I'm challenging myself as well, and I expect you to challenge me back. Uh, I welcome your ideas and concerns. I want your feedback and your recommendations. Thank you for your hard work and dedication to making our regiment the best that it can be. Always ready. Tus your pray
0: we want to keep these going but we want to make sure that they're engaging if you have any ideas of anything that you would like to have us cover please let us know contact the pao and make your suggestion also if you would like to be on a podcast again contact the pao because we want to bring soldiers in across the entire regiment and have them contribute to this this is jagoon seven signing off